you. And also with you. Uh, so when my husband Mike and I were in college and grad school, we had the opportunity to take just loads of classes in biblical studies, which was su such a gift. So in those early years of our marriage, we spent, as you can imagine, a lot of time talking about theology and philosophy and biblical history. And that kind of seeped over into other relationships as well. So like when we would visit my parents, especially Mike and my dad, uh, in the early years of our marriage, they kind of bonded about being able to, to talk about um, just theology and, and the Bible and things. And one of those times when we were in Idaho, my dad's here this morning, my mom was sick, Mike was sick, Michael was sick. So <laughs> um, my, my good news is really going to touch on where I'm at this morning. Um, but my dad is able to be here this morning. Um, so we would like go home and visit him in Idaho. And uh, one of those times, you know, we're having this conversation and his best friend who lives next door, Frank, uh, he came over and kind of just jumped into this one of these conversations with us and just started listening and asking questions. And I honestly don't remember at all what we talked about. But what really left an impression on me that I've thought about in all these years is that Frank said he really appreciated being able to ask questions and just talk about those things. Because when he had been in Catholic school as a young boy, uh, when he would ask the wrong question, he remembered that the nun would slap him on the back of the wrist with a ruler. So he had learned that it wasn't okay to ask questions, that there wasn't space for not understanding or for dwelling in a space when you don't understand. But today we declare release from a vision of faithfulness that calls for having all of the answers or figuring, figuring out the best five-year plan. Rather, Jesus invites us into a posture of openness to him by treasuring up the mysteries of our faith. Uh, in our gospel reading this morning, um, the story starts off, Jesus' family goes down to Jerusalem for the Passover. And, um, and when I, whenever I read the story, my mind immediately goes to Kevin McAllister in Home Alone. <laughs> Like, Jesus' parents just forgot that he was down there. And if you haven't seen this movie, it's based on the premise of a family who goes on vacation and they forget that their six-year-old boy is in the attic. And they just, like, leave him behind in the house. But really, as we read the story, it's, it's really not a whole lot like that. <laughs> um, you know, there was a first-century historian named Josephus, a Jewish historian. And he talks about how, for the Passover festival, there were entire villages that would go up to Jerusalem for this festival. And so we can picture that as Jesus' family is traveling back up to Nazareth, that they have this huge caravan of people, of family and friends, and they live in a very communal society. So, of course, it makes sense that Mary and Joseph would say, oh, yeah, Jesus is back there with the relatives and family. But then when they go to look for him, and where they expect to find him, he's clearly not there. So they hightail it back to Jerusalem to find Jesus. And again, they don't, they, they don't even expect to find him in the temple, right? They look for him for three days, and they still, they, they don't find him until after three days. It's not like they're like, oh, the go-to place for Jesus, the temple. That's like for us where we sit. It's like, yeah, of course, Jesus would be in the temple. I mean, he's the son of God. But for Mary and Joseph, that's not where they expect to find him. And then when he, t when he explains to them what he's about, I had, didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? Um, they don't expect, that's not what they expected him to say. Of all of the people in Jesus' life, the people who knew him most intimately, the people who cared for him most intimately, we would expect that Mary and Joseph would have had an idea of what Jesus was about. And yet those two people that we would expect most 
they, hadn't, they didn't have him figured out. And we see that in the text, um, their response when Jesus says, didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? Their response is, it says in the text, they did not understand what he was saying to them. Uh, I know that as a parent, I have a lot of expectations already about what I think my son Michael's going to be two years from now when he starts school. I wonder about what he's going to be when he graduates. I wonder about um, what he might choose as a career path. Mary and Joseph have already only barely two chapters into Luke. They've had an angel Gabriel appear to Mary and say, um, you know, this, this person's going to, you're going to have a child who's going to deliver the entire nation, who's going to save your people. And then on top of that, Mary's like, but how's that going to happen? Because I'm a virgin. And, and then the response is, well, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you in power. Um, following that, we see that Mary and Joseph take Jesus up to the temple. And there are prophets. Well, be, sorry, let me back up a little bit. Uh, then after she has the baby, the shepherds come and say, these angels appeared to us and said, a savior has been born uh, in Bethlehem. And then we have Mary and Joseph taking Jesus up to the temple where there are prophets, uh, Simeon and Anna, who say things like, this person's going to deliver Israel. This, is, this person's going to be a light for the Gentiles. So if you and I feel like we have high expectations of what our children are going to be, I can't imagine what Mary and Joseph would have expected. And yet, when Jesus says to them, didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? Their response is, they did not understand what he was saying to them. We declare today release from a vision of faithfulness that calls for having all of the answers or having a five-year plan figured out. Jesus invites us into a posture of openness to him by treasuring up the mysteries of our faith. We see in the book of Luke, there are going to be all kinds of reactions to Jesus. And I think one of the most characteristic reactions is this exact reaction. They didn't understand. They didn't understand. They didn't understand. The disciples don't understand. After Jesus is killed, they scatter. The religious leaders don't understand. They think, oh, the best, the best thing for our nation is we got we to gotta get this guy out of here. Under Rome, we got to stay secure. They don't understand. But Mary gives us a model response of faithfulness. Because when she doesn't understand, our text says, Mary treasured up all of these things in her heart. And that act of treasuring up, it's a, it's a word that's related to the idea of guarding or keeping. Um, it's, there's a, there's a, in the Septuagint, which is a Greek translation of the Old Testament, a lot of people would have read it in Jesus' day. So we even see, like, in other parts of the New Testament that they, they quote from the Septuagint, the New Testament writers do. Um, in Genesis 37, the story of Joseph, when um, he has the dream, and, and the, his family comes and he tells him, oh, I had this dream, and like my whole family bows down to me, if, if you're familiar with this story. The text says that Joseph's brothers envied him, but Jacob treasured up his explanation. This is the same word. It's like the idea of meditating or reflecting on or pondering on. It's thinking about something over time. Mary treasured up Jesus, what, uh, all of the things that Jesus did and said. Jesus invites us into that posture that Mary demonstrates for us of openness to him by treasuring up the mysteries of our faith. I know that I need this good news today. Uh, on June 17th of last year, about 
10 o'clock p.m., um, I went into labor. And Mike and I, my husband Mike and I, uh, we, we gathered up Michael out of bed and we rushed to the hospital. And when we got there, the doctors and nurses were having a lot of trouble finding the heartbeat of our baby. And I was 24 weeks pregnant. So at that point, it really didn't make sense for us to um, have an emergency C-section. So after 21 hours of labor, the next morning, um, we, we gave birth to our son, Vincent, who never took a breath, never had a heartbeat, never moved, blinked, made a sound. And very early in my grief, I knew I'm not going to understand this. But still, I knew I could ask God, why? Why, God? Why? We stand in a rich Christian tradition of people of faith who, when they don't understand, ask God for a response to that not of, the experience of not understanding. Abraham and Mary and the psalmist and even Jesus on the cross who said, my God, my God, why? And pretty early um, as we were grieving, the Spirit gave me such a word of grace yeah, from a book by C.S. Lewis called A Grief Observed. And um, I'm going <laughs> to, again, with the good news, I actually forgot my sermon notes this morning. <laughs> so I have to pull up the quote on my phone. <laughs> so excuse me for like having my phone out here. But that was the one thing I was like, I'm not going to remember that quote. And this is just powerful that C.S. Lewis um, he had lost his wife who was terminally ill. And in this process of grief, he journaled, and he asked God a lot of questions. And, and this is what he said. Um, and th this is the passage that God kind of just brought to my mind very early on in our grief, and it be really became a mantra of comfort to me. When I lay these questions before God, I get no answer, but a rather special sort of no answer. It is not the locked door. It is more like a silent, certainly not uncompassionate gaze, as though he shook his head not in refusal, but waving the question. Like, peace, child, you don't understand. This morning, we declare release from a vision of faithfulness that calls for having all the answers or figuring out the best five-year plan. Jesus invites us into a posture of openness as we treasure up the mysteries of our faith. I knew on the one hand, I would never understand. And, and there are a lot of times I can sit in that space of not understanding and of being open to God and of treasuring up um, this, this tragedy that's come to us. But there are also a whole other realm of questions where I still have a lot of room that I need to treasure up. And namely, the big part about that is I've been realizing that I've lived my entire life consciously and unconsciously from one five-year plan to the next. And I'm sure my dad, of anyone in this room, <laughs> could tell a lot of stories about that. <laughs> when we found out that we were pregnant with Vincent, that set the, the next five-year plan rolling. I knew what that was going to look like. And we went home on June 19th, and we had no baby. And I was going back to Nazareth, feeling very disoriented, and feeling like 
I had no idea what the next five-year plan would be. And I know that right now, more than ever in my life, I want to sit and treasure. I don't want to just jump into the next five-year plan. I want to sit and be open to God and treasure up the mysteries of our faith and the mystery of how God is at work in our lives. And maybe some of you know, um, you feel that, that disorientation of being in, in grief or tragedy. Maybe you feel like you don't have understanding um, about your future, about some, you know, whether that's where you're going with work, where you're going with life, where you're going with school. Um, maybe some of you, that, that sense of not understanding is in a relationship that you have with a family member, a friend, or a coworker, or even someone who's wounded you very deeply. Um, we all have spaces in our lives where there's something that we have that sense of not understanding. And this morning, our good news is that God, that Jesus is inviting us into that posture of openness to him and of treasuring up all of these things. So this morning, I want um, to invite you, we're going to take some time to respond to this good news in our um, worship folders. We'll take a few minutes to just say this prayer of response, and anyone who is interested in um, just speaking that out, we invite you to do that together here today. And then um, at the end, as you finish up, you'll say, Lord, in your mercy, and we'll all together say, hear our prayer. So I can go ahead and start. God, I recognize that I don't fully understand you. Jesus, help me to treasure up your words in life and be open to see how you are present and at work in my future and in my family. Lord, in your mercy, hear our, hear our prayer. prayer. 